0: Hi, and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series, Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the Sunny Side Up podcast hosted by Demand Matrix. A little note for the audience today, we welcome Mark Rogers, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Partner Software, a SaaS-based partner relationship management platform. Mark joins us today to share some interesting thoughts on B2B sales and partner channel strategies with us. So over to you, Mark. We're really happy to have you here today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about MPartner Software and your current role there.
1: Certainly, Will, and thank you, Peroma, for the opportunity. Very excited to participate today. A little bit about myself. I have been at MPartner now for four years. And partner, by the way, is the leading pure play partner relationship, a lot of P's there, I get it, but (laughs) pure play partner relationship management solution, SaaS-based solution for enterprises in particular in the market. We do happen to uh, compete with and engage with a lot of different competitors uh, at the high end, the sales forces of the world. And then you have a number of other smaller folks, Ziff, Simphy, and others like that. It's a very fast-growing market. It's one where we have uh, actually been optimally placed. Our strategies appear to be working as we are the fastest growing of all of them and currently second in terms of total revenue and bookings. My opportunity here was really created because of our CEO, who, by the way, I had, had worked with before at Intel Corporation. So it was a good opportunity. I left Akamai after three years of being the channel chief at Akamai, where I was had a lot of experience and opportunity to engage in the CDN ecosystem with multiple partners like Microsoft, mostly on the Azure side, a number of cloud players, and many, many other media base and other large companies. 20 plus years of direct and indirect executive experience, including Vice President stints with Novell, again, Akamai, Intel and other companies and a number of startups, so it's a very exciting space and one in which we have been able to grow our business from the time that I joined, where we had about 18 customers to start. We are now well over 400. I mean, it's a pretty good clip rate, uh, growth rate over the last four years, which is great, and we see no stopping. We're roughly growing at about 60% plus a year in terms of our revenues. And in particular, in terms of the number of customers we're acquiring, many of these customers are the largest companies in the world, including Honeywell, Hitachi, Splunk, Sophos, FireEye. Again, many, many, many exciting Facebook, number of exciting companies across the board. Many of them in high tech, many of them in manufacturing and other industries. So it sounds like a fabulous journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's great fun.
0: Great. So obviously, we are going to get to talking about some of the key customer acquisition strategies you use at Ampartner Software. And given this incredible journey you all have had, that's going to be an interesting answer. But before that, can you tell us about your current role as chief revenue officer? What's a typical day at work like for you?
1: Well, everything, all things revenue are on me. And so you can imagine I don't have a lot of time to play golf or any fun in a very fast startup. And again, we are a B-round startup looking for our next and in the process of securing our next round. And the growth that we're experiencing does require me to be focused on clients literally the entire day and obviously enabling and motivating and really driving the strategies that help our team and our partners delight our customers and literally change their experience for the better. So most of my time, at least a couple of times a week, focused obviously deeply on forecast cadence calls, client meetings, one-on-one with my team and executive leaders under me, our pod leaders, a lot of partner engagement as well, and a lot of strategy discussions, recruiting of our good people as well as our partners. So it's a very busy day, but it's one where I would say half focused on strategy, half focused on execution.
0: Sounds interesting. So, Mark, it would be great if we can dive into the topic on everyone's mind, customer acquisition, because obviously revenue is always topmost on all of our minds all the time. How do you formulate your current and key sales strategies to drive customer acquisition?
1: If we do not start with our customers first, in other words, if everything we do is focused internally or if we're focused on our competition, we will be a fly by night and we'll be gone shortly. The success that we have had has been by literally, and I know this is overplayed and overused, but it's literally everything we do from a process and execution standpoint and strategy starts and ends with our customers. Now, our customers, we know them really well. We focus very much on one thing, and that is on creating a differentiated and highly compelling experience for both our customers and their partners, their ecosystems of partners, and those that support those partners. Instead of trying to be 90 things or all things to all people, we do one thing really, really well, and that is handling what we call the whole partner relationship management piece better than anyone else. It is not Mm -hmm. just about technology. In fact, so little of this is about technology. SaaS is a very cool space. It's a very exciting. The technologies that we use and the leveraging that we use of the cloud and all of the latest and greatest of the technologies out there, all that does is allow us to automate best practices. We hire, and in fact, all of us are expected to have very, very successful and significant experience in the channel and alternate route space. So indirect sales is what we do. And we help our customers become the very best at doing that. So everything that we build, everything that we deliver and the solution set we provide and the consulting that we provide free of charge as we engage, we're able to do that because we hire people with extensive experience and the best of the best in this space. So that's one of the key strategies we look for is how we approach our market. Another thing that has been very successful to us, we are focused on driving value and results for our clients. And therefore, if the only way you can do that is really by engaging your clients and to understand what is that, what they mean by value. Therefore, everything that we do and everything that we try to accomplish is really geared around how the customer wants to do business, how they want to consume, truly understanding and digging in very deeply into the pain points that keep them from accomplishing the objectives that are before them. Because we spend so much time and are tailoring everything we do around understanding and prioritizing those points validated by the customer, we're able to spend the majority of our time focusing on solving their business problems. Again, the technology is easy. Once you understand what you must do to optimize those experiences and those results for your client, then you're able to solve that quickly with your capabilities and technology because we have a very modular and a very, very adaptable solution that works within the framework of the client and the priorities of the client. So our focus really is to listen better than anyone else and then come with a very powerful, compelling, and cost-effective solution that drives the results. And upon those results, we're able to show those results very clearly throughout our engagement and throughout our experience with our customers, which allows us to build long-term relationships, have the lowest churn rates in the industry and the best relationships with these customers for, who we want to be customers for life.
0: Very interesting. It would be great if you can share some best practices for implementing better partner relationship channels within the tech marketing sphere, especially with a focus on what small to mid-sized teams should be looking at when they're implementing these strategies for the first time.
1: Such a great topic and one that we spend a lot of time on in particular. We're an enterprise play, but our capabilities can also scale up and down throughout the market regardless of the size of the customer or the size of their partner ecosystem, recognizing mm-hmm. that customers realize that scaling through a direct sales force can be very expensive, can hammer your sg a and so forth. Most customers will do business through other companies and that partnering and alliances model has gone through many, many iterations over the years, as you know. So many of the mistakes that are made, I think, today um, that many younger companies will make and even larger companies is they truly believe that they need to force their partners and especially the larger companies who think they basically dictate the terms, not knowingly, but they often will force their partners to work within their sales motion, to work within their way of engaging and doing business and going to market. It's a big mistake because so many of these wonderful partners that are out there, everybody wants to engage with them in the security space, for example. The McAfee, Sophos, FireEyes, all of these folks, they all share the same partner ecosystem. And the problem is, if you do not adapt your strategy and your engagement model and your incentives and the rest to those types of partners, they're going to go to your competitor and they're going to go to whoever it is who gives them the best experience. So it's all about understanding and delivering the experience that is most compelling. The key in my perspective is to fit your model to meet theirs, to make it extremely easy for them to do business, to tailor everything you do so that as much of the self-service, leveraging the self-service advantages that lets them easily get to the content they need, for example, if they want To do co-branded collateral with you or be able to hold their partners accountable, you've got to be able to give them a model that is very, very easy for them to learn. It's not all about forcing them to be certified, enabling them, et cetera, et cetera. It's more about giving them the power and then incentivizing them to become successful, not just incentivizing them on the results that they get. That's a big mistake that many companies have in building out their partner ecosystem. Our capabilities allow them to gain such visibility and depth. Predictive analytics allow them to see where the real behaviors that you need and want to be successful are, what they are, and then be able to capitalize and scale those incentives that would drive those types of behaviors, not just with your top partners, but what about that next tier of partner who also could easily become a top tier partner, top 20%, if you just tailored the right Model for them. One of the the biggest concerns I think that customers have, they'll focus so much of their time on culling the herd. If partners on the lower tiers don't deliver, they automatically have what we call a rationalization strategy Mm
0: -hmm. and they
1: automatically cut them just because. The best partnering companies in the world are focused on how do I get the lower tiers to get to the next tier? How do I give them the right ability? to become better at what they do, and then also to incentivize the right behaviors that achieve the goals that allow them to get to the gold tier, the silver, the platinum, whatever it might be. And now what happens? Suddenly you've got more and better partners who are driving to your results while you at the same time are helping them to be financially successful, gaining greater visibility and scale within their own industries and so on. That's what our solution does
0: finds a better win-win parameter for both the sides, So that is very interesting. And of course, in the tech marketing sphere, there are several strategic partner alliances that are known to drive revenue for, and there are several several models in place currently by some of the leading tech firms. So it would be great if you can throw some light on some of these examples for some of our audiences to have some learnings from. Are there any on top of mind that you'd like to share?
1: Absolutely. So many companies are so focused on how do I tap into the platform companies that would allow me to get the scale, the visibility, to be able to tap into these giant logos to get the pull that comes from a Google, comes from an Azure, Microsoft Azure, AWS, or whoever, whoever it might be. And those large companies, those platform companies, by the way, whether it be cloud based, SaaS, or whatever, they clearly want that kind of drive because it drives greater. Stickiness of their own solution across the board and makes it very, very compelling for customers to say, this is the most or the safest, the best bet I can make. So, if you think about, for example, our own experience, we happen to be optimized for both the Salesforce CRM platform as well as the Microsoft Dynamics platform and other platforms, but those are the two largest ones. These platforms are massively expansive and tremendously well-adopted, as you know. What we have done is we've optimized our PRM to be able to leverage the CRMs of these great companies to then tailor the experience for indirect and partner types of users. A CRM does not at all view or value indirect sales. It is all direct-focused, and therefore, you can't really provide a good partner portal through a CRM. It just isn't possible. What we've done is essentially leverage the best-of-breed CRMs and then turn that same strength, all of the capabilities, all of the predictive analytics and so forth, but tailored it for sale, sell-through and sell-with experiences with partners. As we do that, it allows the IT organization then, of course, to be able to say, hey, if you're complementary to Salesforce or to Dynamics, that's okay. We're not introducing something new into my shop. What it also does then is it allows me then to take advantage of the great strength of both of those companies and be able to go in and look a whole lot bigger than I am. When we sell with their sales reps, we retire quota for them and they get commissioned on what they sell because, frankly, especially with Microsoft, they don't have a PRM. So we have mm-hmm. become their de facto standard. By the way, we also are very much a part of their premier ISV partner program, which puts us in a very small group of very compelling, tight partners with Microsoft, with whom we work together with their sales teams. So we then have access, of course, to all of their large enterprise accounts and customers as well. For a company of our size, which, Wally, we're growing very, very quickly, and we have a great name for ourselves, the Microsoft ecosystem by itself Could sustain our business forever, as you know. But for us, it's Mm -hmm. just one strategy. And I think for companies like us and others, this whole idea of how do you leverage these platform environments, these strategic partnerships, so much of this has to do with the value that you create for those larger partners. You're not going to get them to resell something for you. What you're doing is you're significantly augmenting their value proposition, their practices, and so forth to allow them to get greater uplift with their customers and new customers and markets does that make sense
0: absolutely so yeah this is very interesting very interesting answer and a slight change of pace here then next mark how do you see given all your time in the SaaS marketplace how do you see it evolve in the coming years what especially would you say would drive demand for crms or prms and platforms like this by b2b marketing and sales teams
1: it's a great question. I have some real interesting thoughts on that, and I'll try to just encapsulate into two basic areas. One of them is really the whole idea of predictive analytics, the ability of leveraging AI to be able to see where the puck is going as opposed to where it is right now. If you think about how you engage with your customers, how they consume today, how is it that we're able to take the behaviors, track the behaviors today. Marketing, of course, this is a huge space for marketing. But if you think about how this whole marketplace is evolving and where we're going with SaaS, again, predictive analytics is not new, but where we're taking it at this point is really changing the way we engage with and are able to partner with so many in the ecosystem and really drive value for everyone, including the client. From our perspective, we have the ability now to have a much more targeted and accurate assessment of what the opportunity in the market really is. Which verticals would be more optimized or were more optimized for which verticals? So why don't we get into those verticals? How can we really do a better job, for example, for our customers to have them see more deeply into the behaviors that their partners are basically demonstrating and which behaviors are the ones that really get the return? And which are the ones that you'd like to maybe change all of these things, including optimizing the experience of the partners as they engage with your portal, as they leverage your PRM, it makes it more sticky. They become far more loyal to you if you're able to sense what they really need as opposed to what they think they want, because the results speak for themselves, whether Mm it be faster onboarding, quicker, faster times to revenue, whether it be better knowledge and better engagement and expertise, subject matter expertise that allows them to get far deeper into their clients and be able to influence and affect the decisions those clients make. The returns that you make when which partners, which are the optimal partners that make sense that will really grow their business, all of these things are directly affected by AI and predictive analytics. And that is exactly where we have taken our solution in the SaaS space, We have learned much, the industry of marketing and so forth has done, and we're taking it to new levels now that really recreate an entirely new experience. The other piece I would share, Paroma, is this, the more tailored the experience, the more differentiated and segmented and more compelling the experience and engagement you have with your partners, the more likely it is that those partners are truly going to be loyal to you partner loyalty has become a little bit of a joke recently because most people aren't willing to spend a lot of money to really, even NPS scores, they're geared toward end customers, but who's doing NPS for the partner? Now at Akamai, we had the opportunity to actually do that and the returns to us were amazing. Uh It was largely what led us to change the way we engaged with our partners that allowed us to say, hey, if we embedded uh, our capabilities into their sales motion and really changed for the better how they, uh, you know, the value they provide to their customers, they'll plug us right in and we'll get sucked into every deal they do, which is exactly what happened with Azure and the Akamai capabilities. So again, these are the things you've got to understand, and I know it's overused again, but you really have to take the time to get into the mind, the heart, and the soul of your customers and really Feel and experience the pain that they are feeling and to put your best intelligence forward to truly solve their problems in ways that those customers have not even dreamed of. If you can do that, and this is where SaaS is going, to give mm-hmm. you that visibility, you will create a position of strength, of influence and power like nobody else, regardless of your size. And of course, we're seeing that happen in so many different ways now within the SaaS industry. Those are two thoughts that I would put forward.
0: Very interesting, Mark. And before we wrap up for the day, we'd we'd love to know a couple of top tips that you'd like to share with our audience when it comes to adopting partner relationship management systems or platforms. What should they be on the lookout for? How should they be implementing these systems into their current technology stack? What would your takeaway be here?
1: It's interesting because, and I hope I'm not being offensive in any way when I say that alternate routes and indirect sales and channels in many ways, and I know a lot of people will agree here, are kind of the ugly stepchild in many companies. And it's because when you have such a direct focus and your success has been built on a direct sales model, you're not as willing to give up or to risk turning things over to partners outside of maybe fulfilling And completing contracts and so forth. Maybe, obviously, on implementation, we use SIs and a number of others. But when you really think about managed security service providers or others who truly take your capability and build their own markets with that, that takes courage to turn over your crown jewels to someone else. Many companies have really learned in very, very over experience, that is, that you can't even penetrate markets, whether it be Latin America, certain parts of the Eastern Bloc in Europe or whatever the case may be in APAC or whatever. You can't even get into those markets because you cannot get the relationship with clients, for example, that regional partners or service providers or others have that they built over years and years with companies like BMW or wherever it may be. So from my perspective, as I really consider partner relationship management, you got to be, first of all, be very careful to think that, first of all, a portal is not partner relationship management. A portal is simply a place where your partners can come to receive whatever it is you offer them, to hopefully collaborate, to hopefully be able to gain greater visibility into you, the vendor, as well as you providing greater visibility to them in terms of the value you can create. A partner relationship management solution, however, is much, much more than that. Not only does it focus on the ability through self-service to enable and empower the partner and those who support that partner to get the simple, what I call rock fetches. When you have partners calling up your channel managers to get you a piece of collateral or sales tool, you're wasting both of each other's time. If you have a powerful enough segmented asset library that allows them to search very quickly and find everything there is down to the very, very detailed level, by the way, and score it much like you do with Netflix to say, hey, all the rest of the partners in my ecosystem score this a five. I, I think I should probably try that. You save a ton of time. You save and you create a great experience where those partners are able to capture exactly what they need when they need it. They don't need to call you. When they call you or when your channel managers engage with them, it is to strategize on sales, on deals, on opportunities, to look at competitive strategies and so forth and go out and drive revenue together. That's where you want to invest your teams. And the problem is that if you spend so much money, every 10 partners you try to recruit and you have to go hire a new channel manager to do that or a partner account executive, again, you're not efficient. With the predictive analytics and the ability to say, hey, these are the types of partner behaviors you're looking for, you're able to go out and do that through automation, through the system, through your partner relationship management portal. And you're able to let an account manager, a partner account manager, channel manager have a much broader, wider span of control because so much of the rock fetches have been automated. So much of the administrative stuff, they don't even need to talk to you. It's all there for them. And then you're able to focus on and incentivize them to be trained in the areas that will make them successful, not just for the results they give you. If that's where you're focusing your incentives and packages and commissions, you're blowing it. Your rebates, you're not giving them a chance. You're trying to incentivize a result without even giving them a chance to learn how to best do the result. So those are some of the things that I would highly recommend. Again, the automation and the technology comes a distant second or third to the best practices that you would share with your customers to help them become the best partners, the most compelling and sticky experience that you can provide those partners possible. And if you do that, you will be wildly successful. And we're pleased to say that that PRM contributes a significant amount to those changes in behavior, those results. And that's why we've been so successful.
0: Mark, thank you so much for your time today and especially for sharing these amazing and fabulous insights and tips on partner relationship management. And I think our audience is going to appreciate every one of them. Have a sunny day and uh, going forward, maybe we'll have you back again next time to have a quick debate on B2B marketing and sales, maybe a debate on who's better between the two. So thanks Mark, yeah, because that's a favorite topic for us. So yeah.
1: Paroma, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm grateful for it. And again, uh, best of luck to you as well.
0: Thanks so much, Mark. Take care.